Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig, your host, and with me today is a special guest, Travis Tippins from the Fantasy Inn Podcast. Travis, how you doing? Pretty good, Craig. How about yourself? Uh, I'm all right. I'll be honest. This is uh, the... Let's see, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it should be the last episode that people hear uh, before my nose and throat surgery. And so I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm assuming that they're going to mangle me horribly and my voice won't be recognizable after that. So, uh, you know, th- this is my farewell podcast, basically. And you're on it. Yeah, well, good. That's a, a dubious honor. But yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> Um, no, it's this is uh, going to be a fun one because this is a weekend episode. We haven't done one like this in a little while, actually. Our weekend episodes have uh, kind of been taken over by uh, more and more book stuff that we've done uh, lately. And what we were doing, you know, a month, two months, three months ago was on these weekend episodes, kind of taking a topic that was tangentially related. So it's not about a specific book. Uh, but instead about a topic that is near and dear to the hearts of uh, fantasy readers out there. And today, that's kind of what we're doing. So today's going to be a, a little bit of a special edition. We're going to be talking about entry points to fantasy. Now, this is something that on our, uh, what have we called The Wheel of Tangents, this came up at some point, And I think Kyle and I spent about five or ten minutes talking about it. But Travis and I are going to dive a little bit deeper into this and kind of share our stories. And we encourage you to share your own. But... Also, there is going to be a second part to this episode. Uh, The second part of this is going to be books that we would recommend for others to use as entry points. And that episode is going to air on the Fantasy Inn. So uh, go check out that podcast if you haven't already somehow. If you are somehow living under a rock and you haven't yet, go check it out. (laughs) And um, and you can listen to the second part of this discussion. So did I miss anything, Travis? Uh, no, I think that about covers it. And I'm excited to be doing a two-parter episode with you. I don't think I've done that before. I think this is a first for me as well. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, our with our powers combined, um, we become uh, Captain Million Downloads an Episode. There you go. Discount Voltron or something like that. <laughs> that works for me. Uh, okay, so this topic. Okay, books that hooked us. Do Now, Travis, are we going like back to childhood? Am I going to have to lay down on the couch and kind of... So, how, uh, how do you, know, you feel loose? about going back to your childhood, Craig? Well, I, you know, it brings up a lot of stuff about my mother <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking whatever you define as what hooked you on the genre. I I have a couple ideas for stories that kind of hooked me basically since I can really remember, so way back. And then I have some that more recently pulled me back into the genre. So however you want to take that. Fun fact, that's exactly the same tack that I took with this. So uh, yeah, this will be a a very tidy and uh, neat discussion here. So why don't you kick us off, Travis? Uh, when did you start reading fantasy? And we can just we can define fantasy pretty broadly here. It doesn't just have to be swords and sorcery. Could be sci-fi. Could be horror. Could be you know any other subgenre of fantasy. Uh, when did you get into the genre? Sure, and I, I'll even kick it broader and say, for me, fantasy and speculative fiction are kind of interchangeable. So if it can't happen in the real world. I'll probably be calling it fantasy, so don't at me. But totally okay. Before you start, now you've brought up something else. I have. This is a classic legendarium tangent here. Speculative <laughs> fiction. Is there any difference in your mind between that and the term fantasy? 
Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, in the sense that I think you can draw a hard line between, say, science fiction and fantasy. Uh, not all science fiction and not all fantasy, uh, but I think maybe if you have something that's strictly near future, nothing fantastical, our world, and it just explores technology or maybe a societal development, uh, say, uh, maybe end of the world uh, disaster scenarios. Um, but other than that, uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty open. I don't like to be narrow with how I define genres. I mean, I, I'm happy right. to go to the bookstore and hunt down for the specific shelf I want. But other than that, I think uh, it really is open. Yeah, I, the, the reason I asked the question, and I totally agree with you, I, I, big tent, I'm all about the big tent, right? Um, but the reason I bring it up is because I've always felt this little kind of, <sighs> this little twinge. Every time I hear the words speculative fiction, it feels like the snooty version of <laughs> I love fantasy or I love sci-fi. It's like if you're in the English program at, uh, you know, whatever university, uh, you can't say, oh man, I love fantasy. Oh man, I just, I just love sci-fi. But you can kind of get away with it with the literary types. Oh, another word that I detest. Um, with the literary types, you can say, well, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm often pulled in by speculative fiction. You know, and it just, oh, it drives me up the wall just a little bit. See, uh, I think the reason why I kind of mentally have switched more over to thinking of speculative fiction uh, is the opposite. So very low oh, brow yeah. discussions. Uh, the number of fights I've gotten into on the internet where people, I try to call a book fantasy and I get a huge tangent on how dare you, sir? It is actually Victorian era alternative history. I'm like, I don't know, man. It seems like this, fantasy uh, to me. Is this Prejudice and Zombies or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I was like, man, there's magic in there. I'm going to call it fantasy. That's uh, that's hilarious, actually. Okay, so, so tangent aside, now that we've established um, my populist credentials, I suppose, <laughs> um, let's, let's go on with, um, with the original question. What hooked you on the genre and where did you enter the genre? So I will have to have a disclaimer that I'm not 100% confident that this is correct. It's just the earliest I can define it as fantasy that I can think of. Uh, so are you familiar with the Magic Treehouse series by Mary Pope Osborne? Oh, man, that sounds so familiar. I bet I read it. Yeah. So basically, there's a Magic Treehouse and these two kids, I'm assuming they're young because I read this when I was like six years old, I uh, climb up into this treehouse and it transports them anywhere. Uh, they can go back to King Arthur's time. They can go into the far future and see aliens, like just anything. And I think maybe it was partially written to teach kids to read with interesting, like, material to explore that's not just, like, sea spot run, but it's, like, swords and sorcery and all that. Uh, but it also kind of dives into stab. historical figures and all kinds of stuff. But I was just down for, you know, the fantasy side of things. Okay. And so the magic treehouse. I, I'm hang on. I'm efforting this. I got to look up the uh, cover to this. Tell me what you remember <laughs> about the covers. Oh God. Okay. Um, I haven't seen one of these covers in probably close to twenty years. So let's go. I think there's a tree. I oh think there's gosh. two kids, and I think there's I'm a treehouse. <laughs> there, Mary Pope Osborne, magic treehouse number five, night of the ninjas. <laughs> and it indeed has two children holding hands with a man wearing pajamas. 
Yep, that sounds about right. Wait, is this one of those series where they have alliterative titles? So it's like Night of the Ninjas or like, I don't even, I can't think of any other alliterative titles. Maybe. Yeah, let's see. Season of the Sandstorms is number six. (laughs) Civil War on Sunday. And then I saw one with uh, Ben Franklin somewhere. To the future, Ben Franklin. Fun fact. Oh, my gosh. If you ever made it to number 32, to the future, Ben Franklin, um, that's always been my mental exercise whenever I want to uh, reinvigorate how I feel about uh, the, the wonderful modern world in which we live. I always picture like, okay, who was, who was one of the smarty pantses, uh, you know, a few hundred years ago? Ben Franklin, right? He invented all this stuff. He's a great marketer. He's a great businessman. He's a great, he, he, great leader and all this stuff. Um, he, this dude knew what he was about. He was au courant with the world and now we bring him forward. And, and I always love that thought exercise of like, what would Ben Franklin think of the freeway? He'd be blown away, right? Anyway, so now I'm, I totally need to read Magic Treehouse number 32 to the future Ben Franklin. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, you'll probably finish it in less than five minutes because I'm pretty sure these are like 20 page large print with pictures included. <laughs> well you know what whatever hooks you right travis yeah i mean hey that that was like as i was learning to read and it was something that actually kept me interested there you go that's uh that was not my experience um i was definitely given when i was you know five six years old i definitely had the c-spot run books um i do not remember the stuff that uh that i read kind of in those early years first grade through fourth or fifth grade but at some point when i was in the i think i was in the fifth or sixth grade my teacher had one of those rolling bookshelves that they kind of have in the classroom okay and the whole thing was chock full of every goose goosebumps book out there oh um, man goosebumps that brings I me back read them all every single last one of them and i retained shockingly little of it i don't remember hardly anything about it other than loving it yeah, see, now my memories of Goosebumps are, have you seen, like, the very 90s TV show? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I can think of when I think of Goosebumps. But, yeah, I, I definitely read those as a kid as well. So, that that isn't what hooked me on the genre, though. A little bit earlier than that. So, Goosebumps was just kind of what was in the classroom, and, and I tended to finish work pretty quickly so that I could go just devour a book really quick. Um, but a little bit earlier than that, at some point... Um, I had started reading, you know, kids chapter books, uh, you know, maybe Magic Treehouse. I don't remember. Um, but at some point, my mom said, uh, and I know I've told this story on a previous episode of ours a long, long time ago. So forgive me if you've heard it before. But uh, my mom handed me at nine years old. She gave me Sphere by Michael Crichton. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a parent, please don't give Sphere to your nine-year-old. Well, <laughs> depending on the nine-year-old, I suppose, because I absolutely loved it. Um, but looking back and having read it subsequently, it is uh, it is shockingly inappropriate for a nine-year-old. <laughs> I mean, that, that's going on to another tangent even of what is appropriate at what age. I feel like now that I'm older, I probably would not have handed younger Travis the books that I started reading. Uh, but at the time, you know, they were fine. Yeah, what did you read? Um, I guess, I'm trying to think. I know, pro- okay, so 
Magic Treehouse is the earliest fantasy I remember, but probably what actually properly introduced me to the genre was the Malorian series by David Eddings. Oh, uh, wow. So you skipped the Belgarian. Yes, yes, I did. So found a box of old books in my dad's attic. I uh, picked one out. It said book one. I was like, all right, let's do this. And the first hundred pages were the biggest slog I've ever encountered because it was entirely <laughs> catching me up on all that had happened since the first series, which I didn't know existed. Uh, once I got past that, it was actually really enjoyable, but uh, definitely should have started with the Belgariad. Um, and I, I don't think those books were necessarily inappropriate for 10, 11 years old, however old I was at the time. Uh, but there was definitely a lot of adult content that uh, probably went over my head at the time. So this was in the Malorian. Yeah, there, there's probably not like, yeah. I mean, I read the Belgariad. I haven't gotten to the Malorian yet, but we did the Belgariad back in like 2015, 16, maybe. Um, but uh, I, I can't imagine there would be anything uh, uh, Michael Crichton level inappropriate for a nine-year-old in there. Yeah, and it's, it's honestly hard not for that- me to compare because I read Sphere when I was pretty young as well. So if oh, there was really? anything terrible in it, I honestly couldn't tell you because it was filtered through <laughs> like preteen mind. It's not that bad. I'm just thinking it, it's not like um, he did write one book called Disclosure. Um, boy, uh, page 67 was seared into my brain and people who have read it know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, even uh, with the page number. Okay. Oh, it, it, look, this was, uh, I, I was like 13 years old. This was a very formative book for me. But anyway, yeah, no, Sphere <laughs> Sphere wasn't that bad. It was just a lot of language, a lot of violence, and a uh, little bit of sex stuff in it. But anyway, um, but the other book that she gave me right after that, I, I read Sphere. I loved it. I was like, you, you know, I was kind of scratching my arms and, and going, you got any more of that stuff? And uh, so she handed me The Sword of Shannara. And that's the book that kind of really sold me on fantasy per se. Um, the, the swords and the magic and the journeys and the, you know, the elves and dwarves and all that stuff. I absolutely loved that book. Had no idea that it was a, uh, a, a loving ripoff of The Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> but I, I know that now, but I still love it. I still think it's a really great book. It's one of those books that it's hard to give people now, especially if they're already fantasy readers, because it, it so many of the things that we think of as tropes were yep. um, they were established in the Lord of the Rings, and then they became tropes after the Sword of Shannara and a few other uh, like-minded books around that time. Right, especially with so many people who their entire experience with fantasy has been maybe hearing about people talking about seeing the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, they have a very firm idea of what they think the entire genre is. And and the Sword of Shannara is exactly what that is. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a highly distilled fantasy product. It, you know, it's, uh, it's 120 proof. It's uh, not messing around. It, it, is, um, it is very, very fantasy. Some of the stuff that uh, we may end up talking about a little bit later in the discussion... Um, but stuff that's coming out now or close to now, if you, you look at um, uh, somebody like Brandon Sanderson or N.K. Jemison or um, uh, who else am I thinking of? Joe Abercrombie. Or it's, it is fantasy in that it's secondary worlds and you know speculative fiction, we might say. Um, but it also has a very like modern touch to it often. Right. Um, 
and these you know those books in the 70s and the 80s just did not have that they they were all in they they made no bones about uh, the fantasy aspect of their fantasy and i kind of like that honestly yeah and i mean there's still uh some books i feel like today that's kind of hit on that classic they'll still have you know your orcs your elves your dwarves your quest with getting the MacGuffin to destroy the dark lord uh but they do have their own twist on it as well and i mean even if they don't every now and then it's kind of nice just to have that yeah absolutely so um go go on then you've you're done with your childhood you like this magic stuff. What was uh, when did you first encounter some of the seminal stuff, like the Lord of the Rings or uh, Ender's Game or something like that? Uh, okay, so my two brief experience with that uh, Ender's Game uh, in elementary school, a uh, teacher told me, "Hey, I think you would like Ender's Game," and so I checked it out at probably nine years old, which maybe was too young to fully appreciate it uh, and I haven't reread it since so I'm probably missing out on a lot for that one which is a common theme because I read The Lord of the Rings at 10 years old because oh, uh, my dad told me it was too violent and too adult for me so I wasn't allowed so of course I got my mom to take me to the library and checked them out uh, so <laughs> without telling dad exactly uh, so I, I probably missed out some of uh the greater thematic depth and uh, appreciated a lot of what Tolkien has done. Well, sure, but I mean, that's kind of the way it goes. And I, I have this uh, this theory that I've voiced before on a previous episode, and I can't remember which one, but um, th- I, I have this idea that if a book, or if anything really, um, is tr- if any piece of art is truly great, then it will have an age floor but it will have no age ceiling. Sure. So, you know, it, it, look, Sphere, you can't read it when you're six. You just can't. You know, your, your brain isn't capable of doing that, probably, eh, depending on the six-year-old, I suppose. Um, <laughs> or, you know, I, I you're not going to give Malazan to a 10-year-old. Um, but these things, if they are truly good, they age with somebody. So they, they may have an age floor, Right, so Ender's Game, you know, you can hand it to a nine-year-old, depending on the nine-year-old, probably not going to go much younger than that, um, and uh, and that kid could enjoy it, right? So we that might be the age floor. Any younger than that, and the book is not going to be good for that person. But as the person ages, they can find more and more stuff in it on subsequent rereads, and uh, so there is no age ceiling. Uh, with a book like Ender's Game, I think you could read that at 70, 80, 90 years old, and just continue to get more and more stuff out of it. Um, it same thing with, uh, like, Harry Potter. I, I have some qualms these days with Harry Potter, yeah. but, but it's really good for an 11-year-old to start reading Harry when he goes to Hogwarts, but then when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40, you can continue reading those and get something out of them. I, I really believe that. And part of the appeal with a series like Harry Potter, especially for people kind of in and around our generation, is you kind of aged up with those books. So as they started coming out, uh, they were kind of definitely almost more middle grade level. Uh, And then they got more and more complex, uh, added in more depth to them as you go on to, say, book five, Order of the Phoenix. And then by the end, you've probably aged up, I, I don't know how many years between them, but at least maybe 10 years. 
Uh, so you kind of grew up with those books, and I think that's part of the charm. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, speaking of growing up, oh, okay. So let me give you a little, uh, just a little aside for myself through those middle grade years. I loved Shannara, and I I devoured every Shannara book that I could find, and uh, some of Terry Brooks's other stuff as well. But the thing that finally cemented fantasy as my chosen genre was when I was 15, 15, I think 15, and the Lord of the Rings movie came out. The Fellowship of the Ring came out, went and saw it. It hooked me immediately. I mean, the screen hadn't even faded in from black yet. It was just like somebody whispering in Elvish and then Kate Blanchett goes, the world has changed. And I'm like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. Um <laughs> And so I went and got the books and devoured them, and I've been reading and rereading The Lord of the Rings ever since. Um, but there was a period, because I was a, I was a Mormon missionary in France for two years, and I was not supposed to be reading books, um, I, it, like popular fiction, right? It's, sure, uh, sure. You're, you're totally devoted to your religious um, service and all that stuff. Uh, okay, maybe I skirted that a little bit sometimes, but... <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, you know, I, I kind of I got out of the habit of reading fantasy books. And when I came back, uh, got back to the States, uh, the thing that finally got me back into it in a big way and uh, got me reading and I haven't stopped ever since was Elantris. Really? You, really? Tell me, tell me how you feel about Elantris. Have you read it? I have. I, and okay, so I guess I can't judge too much because my experience is very similar except instead of Elantris, it was Mistborn. So I had just finished four or five years of college and yep. basically had not touched a book uh, other than class requirements since I came to school. Uh, so it had been like a four-year dry spell with books, picked up Mistborn, and it just sucked me back in. Uh, so devoured it in probably less than a week, which for me was one of the fastest I'd read a book since, you know, Magic Treehouse days when they're 20 pages long. <laughs> uh but yeah, so yeah, Brandon Sanderson also pulled me back into the genre. But I thought that reading Elantris after I finished the Mistborn trilogy, that Mistborn was stronger. You know, a lot of people feel that way, and um, I I would agree if we're stacking the entire Mistborn trilogy against Elantris. Um, but I will say that Elantris continues to be one of the greatest standalone fantasy novels i've ever read um and i, I this isn't an elantris review and so i'm not going to belabor this but um <laughs> i think that it gets undue scorn from uh, sanderson fans because they love his other books so much whether it's mistborn or stormlight or uh, skyward whatever the case may be um they they kind of scoff at elantris and oh what you know he obviously he was a beginner writer no he wasn't he was not a beginner writer that it's uh, it's an incredibly effective book and uh, uh and i love it i love it dearly so sorry again this isn't an elantris review so i don't want to go on and on and on well sure and i mean don't go. don't get me wrong i i love the book as well i also devoured it immediately after i finished mistborn uh, and I think what a lot of people forget, even though Sanderson was at the beginning of his writing career, uh, that was the beginning of his published writing career. He'd written, what, exactly. 12, 13 novels at that point? I think Elantris was his 10th or 11th, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, the difference between a first and a fifth book might be big, but the difference between 10th or 11th book and 14th or 15th book might not be that significant. 
Right. And no doubt he is getting better. I, I don't mean to say that uh, that that's his best book, but uh, people who's, who kind of scoff at Elantris don't, it, maybe they, they haven't read widely enough, so they don't know just what a sea of crap is out there and how much, especially when that book was published. Uh, gosh, what was that? 2005, maybe? 2005, yeah, one of those years. Uh, anyway, but when it was published, it, it was... Things were not awesome. There were a few standouts for sure, um, but the fantasy genre was... It was not in the place that it is now. And Elantris really stuck out like a like a delightful sore thumb that will never heal. <laughs> you speak as if you truly love it with that metaphor. <laughs> okay, anyway, so that's the book that kind of sucked me back in and ever since then I've just uh I've just been reading and and reading and reading. For you it was Mistborn. Is there any other book right now that's just uh that that really st- sticks out on your bookshelf? That when you look at your bookshelf, it's the one that draws your eye and that's you're like, "Oh, my first love." Ah, uh, maybe not my first love, but I will say probably the first book that ever inspired me to do a reread because almost across the board I never reread anything. I can count on one hand the number of books I've reread and this is the first one. It uh, was The First 15 Lives of Harry August by Claire North. Uh, I have never heard of that in my life. Really? Okay, so have you heard of the movie Groundhog Day? Sure. Okay, so you're familiar with the concept of kind of stuck in a time loop, but instead yes. of a single day, it's the guy's entire life. So hence the title, The First 15 Lives of Harry August. Uh, so lives a normal life, dies, wakes back up on the original day he was born, starts his life over again. But he's got a perfect photographic memory, can remember everything that's happened to him. And uh, someone shows up and tells him that the world's ending. So they're also one of these time looping people. And they can pass messages forward and back in time, uh, just staggering, basically, like one lifetime at a time. Uh, so that's kind of the basic setup and hooked me on the idea of rereading and also uh, on time loops in general. I That sounds awesome, actually. It's... Um... It, it sounds like it could go into a lot more depth than Groundhog Day did, as for just, or uh, yeah, yes, depth, yes, right? or uh, breadth. Maybe si- that's the word I'm looking for. Significantly more breadth and depth, uh, both in the fact that uh, you experience it as a full novel. I'm sorry if Groundhog Day is actually originally a novel. I haven't read it, and I don't care to. Uh, but significantly more than the movie, at least. Uh, you know, it explores what are the religious questions you ask yourself if you find yourself repeating your entire lifetime. What are the moral questions? Uh, do you try to make money? Do you try to reach enlightenment? Like, what do you do? Interesting. You know, I, I am on record as saying, uh, and I still believe this, that Groundhog Day is the greatest film of all time. Okay. Uh, and so now I want to read The First 15 Lives of Harry August. Well, if you feel that way about Groundhog Day, I think you'll absolutely love this book. And I, I think I've heard some of the episodes in Legendarium, you've mentioned that you can listen to audiobooks and kind of enjoy them. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah. Peter Kenny narrated The Witcher, narrated a bunch of stuff at this point. Uh, he's the narrator for all of Claire North's books. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, well, that's, a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good suggestion there. I like that. I wish I had something that... Uh, was maybe a little less mainstream to recommend to people. But, you know, maybe that's... Uh, we can talk about entry points on uh, on the Fantasy Inn. <laughs> sure, um, sure. Can I, can I tell you... I'll leave you with this one. Here's the one that almost chased me away from the genre. Ooh, okay. Uh, 
so you know i, I loved the shannara series and i loved uh, some of the sci-fi stuff that i was reading and um and you know star wars and all that stuff i i, I loved it all um and then some people kept bringing this blue book with them to high school and everybody was reading it. What is this? And there's this kind of doofy looking dragon on the cover. What (laughs) is that? It was, it was Aragon. And I, so I picked up Aragon. I'm like, Oh, everybody's reading it. I might as well give it a shot. Oh dear Lord. It was terrible. Um, now I have, (laughs) I have come to appreciate it more since that first read. Um, for you know, for the attempt and uh, etc. But uh, I, I still I've never been able to finish that series, and it was uh, it was very it was painful for me to read at uh, whatever I was sixteen seventeen years old. Okay, fair enough. I I think I probably agree with that assessment of the content of the book and books in general. However, at the time I was reading it, that was the only fantasy book I could discuss with my friends because it was the only <laughs> fantasy book they had read. Uh, yep. and so I did get a lot of enjoyment out of that. I suspect that a book like that would be more enjoyable if you're not immersed um, in the genre. You know, it's it would be a bit like handing the Sword of Shannara to uh, a fantasy um, veteran where they're like, well, it's just so tropey. You know, Aragon is, is pure trope there is nothing about it that isn't trope um and so if you're totally fresh to the genre then you might not notice that as well so maybe that was my problem yep that i think that's a fair assessment yeah um all right cool well that that those are the books that kind of hooked us on the genre and i do want to hear from those listening and so uh hop on wherever fine comments are left go to uh you know uh, Reddit, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever, and uh, leave us some comments on this episode. Let us know what it was that hooked you on fantasy. And uh, we are going to continue this discussion into books that we think would hook others. Is that a fair way to put it, Travis? The entry points for others, right? Yeah, yeah. What What do we think, or regardless of what hooked us on the genre, what do we think would hook others? What are good entry points for other people maybe maybe they're not fantasy veterans but they've already read some fantasy and they want to dive deeper or maybe they just never picked up a fantasy book before yep absolutely so i hope you do that and if you appreciate what we do on the legendarium uh, i would appreciate your support so go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show Uh, we are doing some really fun uh live streams for our patrons these days i like i mentioned i'm kind of i'm going under the knife this week and so i'm out on the live streams but Ryan is picking up the slack. He's going to be doing some fun uh, D&D campaigns with the listeners on uh, and other panelists on those live streams. And those are open to all patrons of any level. So even if all you can do is a dollar an episode, those are going to be open to you. And we hope to see you there. Uh, Join the conversation on Reddit. And you'll also find a link to Discord there. We hope to see you there. Oh, I think that's everything. So thanks for listening. Travis, thank you so much. Uh, But I'm not really saying goodbye because we're going to hop over onto the Fantasy Inn where I hope people will join us for that episode as well. Yeah, thanks for having me, Craig. Craig.